Chapter Twenty of Mrs. Solomon Smith Looking On by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty. Mrs. Solomon Smith, you've helped along in this night's work. Our next excitement was of a totally different character. It came to us in the night, the third after the marriage. We had lingered another day at Lita's earnest petition to enjoy a ride in the new carriage with the new iron-gray pony which though a wicked-looking little fellow was said to be a model of gentleness sagacity and speed and which during the two days of our acquaintance sustained his reputation what mrs jonas smith thought of the munificent present to her daughter she seemed unable to put into words but whatever attention she could think of to lavish on her sister-in-law was promptly bestowed as for Lida, her old auntie had come to love her so dearly that kisses and smiles were payment enough. She is a grand diamond in the rough, did Irving say in a burst of confidence to Laura and me. Laura, I don't wonder that your eyes glowed at my misunderstanding of her. It is positively an astonishment that you didn't cut my acquaintance entirely. But how was I to know that she was such a splendid woman? true enough said laura speaking with animation how should you know you seemed to have but one way of judging her and that was by the cut of her cloak and the shape of her hat i don't altogether like irving mamma this of course after he was gone he is so sort of flippant in his manner about everything he was quite endurable while lita was sick but now that his anxiety is over he seems to have room for nothing but nonsense and flattery i'll tell you what it is mamma if irving doesn't take care lita will get away ahead of him he needs the shadow of a tremendous trouble of some sort in the background to keep him in anything like a dignified state of mind i hardly knew whether to be annoyed or to laugh over this absurd estimate of a youthful man by a very youthful woman still there was food for thought in her words if irving really does need a continuous background of shadows in order to bring him home at last be sure his lord knows it some people will not answer christ's call daughter unless he makes the path on which they persist in treading full of thorns i spoke with unwonted gravity for something in her face just then led me to wonder with sudden pain whether my laura would continue to move along the broad highway until she was driven out of it by thorns i think she caught my meaning for she turned away hastily and said in a tone that was almost petulant i could never be driven into religion mamma and i doubt whether irving could was there defiance in the words the house settled early into quiet that night we were to leave the following day not early as we must of necessity have done if we made the trip in one day mr jonas smith was called by business to a town located on our route nearly halfway and would be detained there at a hotel overnight and the whole family urged that instead of planning for a four o'clock train we should go at noon with the gentleman and remain overnight at the hotel the decision was left to mrs solomon 
and I fancy more for the purpose of spending a quiet hour with her brother-in-law, to say to him a few words as opportunity offered, than for any fear of early rising, she agreed to the hotel plan. It must have been some time after midnight that we in our room were awakened by peculiar sounds in the hall. I think we had been all more or less inclined to wakefulness, and to listening for unusual sounds since the midnight alarm when Lita was taken sick. So I roused without difficulty, and immediately arose to investigate. "'Laura, there is someone groaning downstairs, a man's voice. I think Mr. Smith or Irving must be ill. I'm going down to see as soon as I can.' "'Don't, Mama," said Laura, springing up on the instant. "'Let me go.' and she began rapid dressing. Meantime, the strange sounds, mingled with something very like groans, continued. Mrs. Smith was, as usual, in advance of us. Her room door opened at this point, and her voice was heard in the hall. Not a loud voice, Mrs. Smith's tones were emphatic, clear-cut, readily understood, but never loud. "'Who's sick? Is that you, Jonas?' what is the matter? Then Mr. Smith's voice. Don't for heaven's sake let Sarah hear, or Lita. Is the child's door shut? And yet I shall have to call Irving. Oh, God, help me. Laura and I paused in our hurried toilets and looked at each other with blanched faces. Some dreadful accident must have happened. Harris had been driving gay horses, over which his mother had worried more than once in the past week. Perhaps he had been brought home all mangled and bleeding, and the father was trying to shield the half-sick wife and frail daughter from the news as long as was possible. "'We can help, Mama," said Laura. "'He needn't call Irving.' Then we hurried again. Mrs. Solomon Smith, with one brief, quickly suppressed exclamation, had taken in the situation, whatever it was, and gone quietly downstairs. A moment more, and Laura opened our door and stepped into the hall. Then I heard Mr. Smith's voice again. "'Oh, Maria, for heaven's sake, don't let any of them come. It is awful enough just with us.' "'Go back!' It was Mrs. Solomon's quiet, strong voice of command to Laura, and the child, her face deathly pale, came back to me. "'I don't know,' she said, in answer to my questioning look. "'I can't see him, only a glimpse. He seems lifeless. It is Harris. They are carrying him into the back parlor. He must be dead, and that is why they need no more help. Auntie Smith had hold of his feet. Oh, mamma, mamma! And she burst into a perfect passion of weeping. Certainly Mrs. Smith had done well in trying to shield my child from any more unnerving sights and sounds, and I blessed those two downstairs for their thoughtfulness as I bent over Laura. I coaxed her back to bed presently, half-dressed as she was. It might be only a faint, I told her, doubtless was. Mr. Smith was terribly alarmed, of course, yet remembered the importance of keeping exciting news from Lita or his wife and had probably reasoned that the safest way was to keep the upper hall perfectly quiet. I listened, meantime, for sounds below, 
which should indicate that the doctor was being summoned, or those other terrible helpers, if indeed the young man should be past a physician's care. But the utmost silence prevailed. I could almost have imagined the whole thing a dream, but for remembering how wide awake and strong-nerved Mrs. Smith's voice had sounded. It might have been ten minutes, or it might have been half an hour afterwards, I could not judge of the time, it seemed so long, that a low tap came at our door, and I, answering it, admitted Mrs. Solomon. Her face was very pale, but quiet, though her eyes gleamed with a light that seemed something more than sorrow. "'Have you had a great scare here?' she questioned. "'I don't wonder. I've been shaken as I never was before. Is the child asleep?' with a glance towards Laura. "'Auntie, is he dead?' asked Laura, suddenly turning and fixing wide-opened, frightened eyes on her. "'I saw him. I caught a glimpse of him. It was Harris. Is he dead?' Mrs. Smith turned towards her those grave eyes, full now with solemn meaning, and said slowly, "'Yes, child, he is. Dead drunk.' "'Drunk?' I repeated in dismay and a sort of terror, the very outspokenness of the word seeming to make it more terrible. For the moment to have one lying drunk in the house seemed infinitely worse than to say he is intoxicated. "'Drunk!' repeated Laura with a peculiar emphasis. I had never heard the word or the tone from her lips before. "'Yes,' said Mrs. Solomon, dead drunk. He knows just as little this minute about what is going on as his body will know when it is laid in the grave, and it is an awful sight. I never saw its like before, and I pray God I may never have to see it again. Oh, Solomon has often told me that I ought to go down on my knees and thank the Lord that ours were all girls, and kept safe from the worst temptations." but I never felt like it until this minute. Think what it was for that father to help drag him in like a beast over the elegant carpet, all mud and filth he was, just from the gutter. Oh, dear! And the poor shocked old lady buried her face in her hands. Is this a new shock to the father? I asked, after a few moments of troubled silence. Mrs. Smith shook her head. I guess not. I guess he has had a good many just such times as this. But he promised, you see, and had reformed, so his father thought, and so poor Sarah thinks. And Jonas, he shrinks awfully from the mother knowing about it. But she will have to know. How can such things be kept from mothers? Oh, dear, oh, dear! Ain't that trouble now? If that boy downstairs was mine, what would I do? Do you suppose I could bear it? I can never forget the drawn look, as of pain, on the old lady's face, as she waited almost appealingly for my answer. My dear friend, I said gently, he is not yours, remember. The Lord gave you dear children who were at all times a comfort. So he did, so he did and then he took them to his palace before me, so that I would have nothing to do but to hurry on after them as fast as I could. 
that is what i have always thought but to-night i have been thinking that maybe i haven't understood the lord maybe he gave me good quiet christian girls so that i would have time to help the mothers with boys with boys who go astray and then maybe when he saw that i did not understand and would keep spending my time on my girls that didn't really need it he just took them into his own keeping and even then i was stupidly hurried along the uppermost thought being that i was getting old and that time was passing and solomon and i would soon be home with the children oh auntie smith i'm sure you have spent your whole life ever since i've known you in trying to help other people this reproachful protest came from the bed no i haven't child i've done a little at it now and then when anybody stumbled right before my face and eyes and i had to see em but that's very different from going around looking after em even when the lord set them right before me i couldn't seem to see more than one at once here i've been in this house for weeks and weeks and i don't know as i've thought three times about that boy downstairs how shall i ever know what i might have said or done for him that would have helped him i tell you when i see him lying there like a beast instead of like a man made in the image of god says i to myself mrs solomon smith you've helped along in this night's work just as like as not there's always more ways than one of helping you've managed to give satan a lift by just folding your hands and thanking the lord you hadn't any boys and made not the least move to keep this one out of the devil's clutches just because he didn't happen to belong to you it's my opinion that there's about as much mischief done in this world by folding our hands and thanking the lord that our folks are not like other folks as there is any other way it was a strange time for a lecture on the universal brotherhood of the race or on the solemnity of human responsibility and consequent accountability to god yet certainly i had never heard my old friend speak with such solemnity nor seem so moved i tell you she said with energy as she rose up to go we are all asleep everybody is asleep it is high time we woke up and went to work mamma said laura as the door closed after her if she is asleep what do you suppose can be said of all the rest of the world silence for a moment and then this mamma do you suppose according to auntie smith that i also am to blame for this trouble for instance i could have prevented this evening's work i suppose harris asked me to ride with him but i felt so utterly unequal to the undertaking that i declined am i to blame for to-night i was prompt with my answer no daughter no that is the mistake which young people are apt to make to ride with a young man of an evening may or may not be a wise thing to do in this case i am decidedly of the opinion that you did right but if it is all that a young girl can do towards holding a young man back from ruin it amounts to very little indeed to have been able to have exerted such a christian influence over harris as would have led him possibly to the strong one for strength might indeed have been his salvation you know dear you did not try that 
she turned from me with manifest impatience mamma you and auntie smith think that there is nothing worth doing for people unless you can talk religion to them what are those poor mortals to do who have none to talk about i don't think you mean just that laura neither of us believe that merely talking religion to people will do much good but i confess that i do not see how unless one lives religion she is going to be able to help another to the only foundation that is absolutely safe to build upon soon after that we settled into quiet and tried with what skill we could to forget the scenes of the hour and gather a little strength from what night there was left both of us i think were troubled with visions of the sleeping son and the waking father below stairs we saw nothing of harris the next morning heard nothing of him the father appeared much as usual a trifle graver perhaps but i could not be sure and from the smiling face of the mother i fancied that the family disgrace had been hidden from her though much i marvelled as to how mother eyes could be deceived amid hearty good-byes and almost oppressive attentions we left at last the house which we had entered as strangers especially interesting to me was laura's parting with the child wife my daughter was never given to tears but her eyes were dim when she turned away from lida and after a half hour of utter silence on her part i heard only this mamma fancy my loving the little thing and hating to leave her i never supposed that i could our journey was comparatively uneventful only comparatively however and that word i imagine would not apply could we look into the future there were quiet words dropped that day by our alert old friend that i doubt not will bear fruit such as she will meet again in her father's house i think i have represented her to you as one strangely on the watch for opportunities singularly ready with just the right word that it seemed wisest to speak but on this day after her solemn declaration of the night before that everybody was asleep it was more distinctly noticeable than ever that she was intent upon her master's business never obtrusive almost never seeming to offend being rarely repulsed yet deftly slipping in her quiet telling words where they must have been the least expected in fact i think she more than any woman i ever knew united those two peculiar characteristics of successful work wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove mr smith proved a very careful and courteous attendant almost too careful indeed he fairly oppressed us with attentions opening and closing our windows arranging our blinds folding and refolding our wraps buying the daily papers and offering us some of every dainty that passed through the train popcorn and fashion books included there seemed all the afternoon a nervous unrest about the man i could not help thinking that he was trying to get rid of his own sorrowful thoughts by inventing wants for us that he might busy himself in supplying arrived at our stopping-place for the night we were packed into a carriage and taken whither he would having all resigned ourselves to the feeling which however much of a veteran in travelling she may be is always a luxury to a woman 
that we were being taken care of and need not think anything about routes or stopping places or luggage the hotel was one of the princely sort mr jonas smith being evidently one who never economized in travelling and by seven o'clock we were divested of travel stains and seated at a cosy round table in the elegant dining-room with well-trained waiters standing obsequiously by ready to serve us with whatever we might select from the bill of fare it was here that occurred the next startling episode of what had in the last few weeks become an eventful life End of chapter twenty